Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors Studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. Lots of pre-owned inventory. A great service department that simply gets it done with whatever you need for your current vehicle, with the diagnostics, with the inspections, with it all. And a sales staff that is there that's not just there for the sale, but is there to make sure that you get the right car that is right for you, right for your family, right for your future. Fit your wallet, too. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Loaded, loaded show today. We talk an NFL draft. Neil Kulong will join us as he normally does each and every Tuesday. Joe DeLeon from the Believe Podcast Network has the latest on FCS draft prospects. But then there's this that came down today. As it looks like we have the replacement for the retiring Sandy Barber as your new AD of Penn State. And that is, according to Pete Thamel of ESPN, Boston College AD Patrick Kraft. He was first to report that earlier today. A deal is expected to be finalized by the end of the week. He has done some work with uh, Boston College, of course. He was also the assistant AD and AD at Temple when they had their rise under Matt Rule. Does have a Big Ten background. He played football at Indiana. He's been the BC AD for two years. He hired basketball coach Earl Grants. He had that $15 million lead gift to help build a new basketball practice facility. And dating back to his days at Temple, of course, he worked with Matt Rule, as I mentioned, to build Temple as the AAC champ in 2016. He had back-to-back 10-win seasons at Temple. And then, of course, they beat Penn State in that 2015 season. He also hired Jeff Collins, who replaced Rule after he went to Baylor. Collins had two bowl seasons, then went to Georgia Tech. But then Kraft also hired Manny Diaz, and of course we all know what happened there. He left, went to Miami, now he's here with Penn State. So I guess that's only my slight concern. If you're going to be the AD, you're going to be working with James Franklin. I, I get that. I do wonder, though, what Manny Diaz on the staff, if that maybe causes any slight riff based on years past. But I would think all that is kind of water under the bridge at this point. But 
other than that, I, I think this looks like a, a good fit for Penn State, especially from the football standpoint, of course. He seems to have a really solid background there. And we heard James Franklin mention a few months ago when looking for a new AD when this first came out, the Sandy Barber was retiring. He wanted somebody that would know what exactly the competition is that they're up against in the Big Ten, and looks like they'll probably get that person. But what will this guy do in terms of the other sports, especially wrestling and keeping Penn State wrestling as good as it's been? So this is going to be interesting, but it looks like that this is going to be at news by the end of the week or official, I should say, by the end of the week. And looks like, I think, overall, and ultimately, this will be a good fit for Penn State, for Patrick Kraft, the former the Boston College AD, to replace Sandy Barber. John Sabra of the Center Daily Times. He also covers Penn State football and basketball. He also reported on this and confirmed this a little after Pete Thamel reported it. So John is going to join us at 3.35 today. So we've got John Sabra, Center Daily Times at 3.35, Neil Coolong. And we got Joe DeLeon from the Believe Podcast Network on the FCS Draft Prospects. So, a lot to get into today. And a little bit to talk about, of course, with the Philadelphia 76ers. And what was an embarrassing game last night. And I, I thought through the first three games of the season, of the, excuse me, of, of this series with Toronto... I really thought the Sixers had moved on and finally taken another notch in their game because it looked like they were basically going through the motions. And I think even Matt Leon, and we've had from KYW, has mentioned that himself. And clearly they were. That's kind of how it's been the last two games now. And that's a little concerning to me. Say what you want about Game 4. They didn't shoot the ball very well. You know, that that happens when you're up 3-0 team's desperate they're at home okay I can let that pass but you lose like that at home last night with that effort you put forth then I got a problem and not only do I have a problem the Sixers are now almost in a panic mode because they are very close to becoming the first team in NBA history to give up a 3-0 series lead no team in the NBA has blown a 3-0 series lead in the playoffs. Only, I think it's only 13 teams. Panic panic sets in. Yeah. There we go. It's safe to say. And also, what with James Harden, which will make you happy. Panic is set in. Panic. Make me happy about what? I don't don't sit here to act like happy. I know, because I, know. I, I, have, I have officially I, lost I, my cautious optimism with James Harden. I, he I, was you know, horrendous <coughs> last night. Horrendous. I, I analyze what's going on. And I'm telling you, when I've looked at him in his playoff performances in his career, he hasn't been great. He has not come up big at big moments, whether it was with – actually, with Oklahoma City, he was very good, but he was a sixth man. Houston, no. Nets, no. And now this situation, he has not been a big playoff performer. I said that when they acquired him. I said, let's see if things change. You, of course, poo-pooed it like I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> well, I thought the change of scenery would help, and I thought he was around better talent. But this is the thing I've always I've always said about the Excuse Sixers me. that they haven't done. What, what have I always said about players? You are who you are. Right, yes, you have. And, and again, 
you poo pooed that like I <laughs> like I, I haven't been around the block. But I have said about this past with the Sixers <laughs> that they've always needed to add more shooting around what they've had when they had Embiid and Simmons. Now they just have Embiid, Tobias, whatever. They need more shooting. They need more depth. They have never yeah, added to that, except, and that's been their problem. Except uh, I'll counter that. They had that. Seth Curry. Even the, But they needed to add even more than that. Then they got rid of I some know, of that. I yes. saying, though. Yes, Seth Curry, they very much so hurt and miss. Yes. Okay. No question. But and you, I'd acknowledged had, it when order, they made the trade. Yes, you did. And in order to acquire Harden, you did have to give up something yep. besides Ben Simmons. And I said going into the trade that Curry might be that guy, and I was very like, Ugh. like he's not a star. He's not. He made you know, like like take this show. Like I'm not a star. You are. But I mean, it's you know, <laughs> get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Uh, there's only one star in this station. He occupies the corner office. S-U-I-T. That spells Suda. Well, he's occupying right. Myrtle Beach at the moment. Well, that's okay, because let's be honest about it. the real star. All right, so, uh, <laughs> at least in these eyes. All right. So, um, you've got, um, you're not going to have Thibault, because they're going back to Canada. Doesn't matter anyway. He's been non-existent. He was he was beyond right. awful last night. But but still, it changes the rotation. Right. And the bench for the bench for Toronto crushed the Sixers bench last night. Oh yeah. All right, They're big time. I think they had twenty nine bench points. The Sixers had eleven, thirteen, yep. something like that. I know you act like I don't look at the games, um, but um, Embiid's hurt. To his credit, he is gutting it out, and you have to admire the fact that he is gutting it out. I mean, I do. But if he's hurt, that means somebody else has to step up. MB was, what, 0-4 last night in threes? And you've got to be able to uh, you know, overcome that. You did not acquire Harden to have him be another piece. This is a moment where Harden has to step up and be the star and take something off of Embiid's plate. He's not doing it. Now, maybe that changes. Maybe that changes. We'll see. I don't know. I just have, you know, Suddenly, out of nowhere, little Luke singing the Sixers song just has such a hollow ring to it. It's... <laughs> <clears throat> Although I guess he was so tired from cutting the lawn, he can't do it anymore. Um, That's true. He was asleep. <laughs> evidently, so was Doc Rivers. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> just kidding. It's all right. John Sober today, by the way from the Center Daily Times on the uh, Patrick Kraft report, which uh, has been reported by Pete Thamel of ESPN and Matt Fortuna of The Athletic, that he is the guy that he hasn't signed anything, but he is evidently the primary target for Penn State, and according to them, there have been talks, but there's no agreement yet. Uh, Kraft is a guy 
You don't mind if I change subjects here, do you? Because right now you're depressing the audience. <laughs> no, no, this is the subject we need to change. We have to get to this, of course. I, I mean, because I mean, right, right now we're in, we're into the abyss of of sadness here. Um, I did leave yeah. with I did leave with this report, by the way, before I started depressing the audience about the Sixers. Yeah. So. Because if you want, we can transition to the right field grandstand at Yankee Stadium. Oh, ah, all right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's your people. Um, so who is Patrick Kraft? Patrick Kraft is somebody who played football at Indiana, got into with athletic administration, at one point worked his way to being the athletic director at Temple, and this coincided with Temple doing something I didn't think Temple could do along the way. Um, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I've always f- said that with Temple football, that's where, quote, careers go to die. Yet, with Patrick Kraft uh, as athletic director, and, of course, Matt Rule succeeding um, Steve Adazio, I don't know why he didn't succeed Al Golden right away. I, that always bothered me, but because Matt's first class all the way. <coughs> but... Um, Temple became really good in football, really good. And then when Matt left to take the Baylor job, Jeff Collins was brought in. He goes to BC. He hires Earl Grant to be the basketball coach at BC, and he also raises and gets a lead gift of $15 million for a basketball facility at BC. Jeff Halfley will tell you he is absolutely committed without question on the football side. Absolutely committed. He has a great reputation. I have only met him on a couple of occasions at at Lincoln Financial Field when Penn State played there. And it was just like met him. So I, I don't know him at all, but met him. And he has a very outgoing personality. No getting around it. Uh, you need that. What do you need in this job? Well, he's got a lot of the requisites you need for the job. He's got experience. That's one. The ability to raise money. He was doing that at Temple, but he absolutely was doing it at Boston College. An understanding of where the where the bread is buttered. All right, let's face it. The bread is buttered in football. It is, and then the next slice of bread is 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 buttered in men's basketball. That those are just facts. That's not just me because I announce those sports. Those are just the facts of life in the economics of sports. Uh, BC has twenty nine sports, so Penn State has thirty one. So he understands how to handle a huge athletic department. Uh, and he has a great outgoing personality that makes a huge difference in fundraising, which is always going to be important in this job. So you've got to be able to manage money, you have to be able to raise money, and he has a great reputation in both. And as I said, I only met him a couple times, and it was like literally just medium. Hey, how are you? It's great to see you, great to meet you, whatever. But you could tell that outgoing personality right away. Now, there's one other requisite that I have for the job. This is just me. 
and you know, I think people who have listened to this show for years know what I'm about to say. I always say when it comes to this, and I just had talked about this when Penn State was hiring a basketball coach, with everything that you have in front of you, a determining factor for me when everything is close to even is do they think Penn State is the job? I always want somebody who looks at it as the job, not the next resume builder, not the next step in a career. Like It's the job. Now, again, that's personal to me because everyone knows, and you probably have either heard or read enough interviews that I've done when people have talked to me about my career, and I've said, hey, look, some people look at ESPN or CBS or NBC, whatever, as the job in sports, whatever. I said, I've always felt that the Penn State job was the job. That's just me. It's my personal opinion. That's how I feel. That's how Pat, because I feel when you feel it's the job, the passion you throw into it is something that can't be matched because it's that personal to you. So that's the last part I want. That would be the part that would throw me over the top. Do you think that the Penn State job is the job? Like, not in a Jim Harbaugh sense. I think Michigan's the greatest job. Well, yesterday he thought it was the Vikings, okay? All right. <laughs> That's what I always cracked. That always cracks me up. Oh, no, this is the, I want to be here the rest of my life. Well, yesterday you wanted to be in Minnesota the rest of your life. I don't quite get it. But that's what I'd be looking for. Like, they look at Penn State like, man, this is the place to be. That's, again, that's just me. That's just talking from the heart. All right, we'll take a break. <clears throat> We're at sea. Uh, we've got uh, John Sauber today, Joe DeLeon today, Neil Kulong today. And well, you say the suit's out of the building? Yes, uh, he is in Myrtle Beach. I was trying to look for why we were having such a spike in the ratings. All right, I uh, found it. Uh, we'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Oh, my almighty! Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show is uh, brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15, Ovals Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory. 
Bastian Frio and David Torrey all at the uh, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 to 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Let's bring in John Sauber now from the Center Daily Times. John, always a pleasure. Great to have you back. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Steve. I appreciate it. So, uh, Patrick Kraft, Boston College, being targeted, said to be the primary target. Uh, what do you know about this? Yeah, so it, it sounds to me like this is a you know uh, a, not necessarily a done done deal, but that um, you know barring a, a, a really surprising snag, I guess it, it'll be done. Um, it, to me, it, it seems like a good hire, right? Uh, it is always tough to tell with athletic directors sometimes, especially someone as young as Kraft. He's only forty four years old, but he's been doing this for a little bit for a forty four year old. Uh, you know, five years at Temple, two years at Boston College. He's been in the Power Five before with the Boston College uh, stint. And it, and it seems like he's going to make football a priority based on his background, based on what I know about him and, and sort of how he handles things. So I, I think all in all, this you know, this is something I expect to be done. As you know, I, I was able to confirm this morning and, and reported on centerdaily.com. And uh, I think if this is going to be a good hire, and so far it seems like it's generally been well-received as well. Yeah, so let's talk about the football part of it. Obviously, he worked very close with Matt Rule, State College's own down at Temple. And then I've heard reports how closely you work with Jeff Halfley up at Boston College. You know, what can he bring to the table, especially in the fundraising part of it, that can make a difference? Yeah, I think that's the biggest part of this, right? With with any AD hire they were going to make, um, it's it's sort of a spot where the, the two primary head coaches are are in place in James Franklin and Micah Shrewsbury. It doesn't seem like anything needs to be done on those fronts. So then it's about elevating programs, and especially elevating the football program. Obviously, there's the lingering Beaver Stadium question, fundraising, potentially either putting a new stadium up or, or uh, renovating Beaver Stadium. Uh, Penn State obviously sent that survey out last year. Um, I think he's going to do really, really well um, to, to fund, or as a fundraiser and to, to sort of build the, uh, the base of funds back together, I should say. Um, having that Matt Roll connection obviously helps with that, right? Someone that he, he was close with, someone that is close to the community and clo- is close to Penn State and State College uh, can sort of help bridge some connections, assuming they're still close. And, and, and this is really an opportunity for him to uh, build upon what's already here and, and help sort of with the, the arms race that college football has become, uh, especially with facilities. We hear James Franklin talk about it all the time, the need to improve on that front, the need to sort of keep keep pace with those things uh you know i think he's as well positioned as any athletic director hire would have been to to build off of that all right which brings up the uh, next part of it because um when you look at that arms race james franklin has put out a challenge saying we have to decide quote who we want to be you know to use his words does a hire like patrick Kraft tell everybody what penn state wants to be I think so. Uh, you know, I think it, it says that this is a an athletic department that wants to use football as the moneymaker it is, that uses it to help fund other sports, but that's generally going to fund money to football to help grow in other areas as sort of its means uh, to that end, right? They, they want to have that wildly successful athletic department, one that is also widely successful, um, but, but that starts and ends with football and the ability to, to generate funds from that standpoint and then use those funds elsewhere as needed. Um, I will be interested to see what it does mean for other sports, uh, but I do think for as far as football is concerned, this is maybe not an all-in move on football, but a clear sign that this is sort of the North Star for Penn State. 
All right, so you mentioned other sports, which, of course, here means a lot. But what a lot of people don't realize is Boston College is a 29-sport university. Uh, Does that now make a difference because he's now gone through the last couple of years of having to manage something like that? Yeah, I, I think that experience definitely helps, right? Going from 29 to 31 sports isn't isn't that large of a leap. Uh, I, I will be interested to see what it means, you know, long-term, because as we know, he was only at Boston College for two years, so it, it's a little right. tougher to get long-term plans and access at that point. But I think right. it's a positive sign. It, it shows that he knows how to manage those sort of uh, bigger athletic departments, ones that have a lot of uh, you know, a lot of a lot of things to manage generally, right? You have you have a ton of sports, ton of sports that want to be highly successful at that, and these aren't just you know sports that are existing for the sake of existing. Penn State has always you know been proud of how it can win national titles in uh, in all 31 sports, and, and they emphasize that a lot. So uh, I think the ability to manage that is going to be important, and his experience doing that will help him out. Um, but it, it's tough to say long-term what that outlook will be, given that you know he, he hasn't had that much time at Boston College to sort of go full bore into those things. Now, John, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, and you and I have both talked about his, you know, his extensive passion in the area of football, yet he did hire the basketball coach at Boston College, Earl Grant, and he also secured a lead gift of $15 million for a basketball practice facility. Is that an indicator he's willing to go out and do whatever it takes to help other sports too? I think the $15 million is, is a good sign really for everyone, right? Like to get that massive of a gift, I believe that was one of the largest gifts in Boston College history that he was able to secure. Um, it does show a, a willingness to go out and, and secure gifts wherever they can be available and, and sort of you know, wherever alumni want to help the university and help the athletic department, he wants to help there too, it seems like, right? Like that seems the like the intent there. So as long as those things are available and as long as he's help, able to help other programs, I think that'll be, you know, something that he probably pursues. Um, but yeah, that, there's no doubt that, you know, the, there is some, a basketball track record there too. Uh, the hiring of Earl Grant, which I, I was a fan of at the time at Boston College, um, yes. you know, is to me a good hire. We'll see if he's able to turn it around there. But yeah, I think there's a, a willingness to sort of dip outside of football as well. Then there's the other part, because it has been the ACC the last two years after transitioning from the American. And he has Big Ten experience, by the way. He's an Indiana grad, and he's in the athletic department there. Uh, for a period of time, but the fact that he has been at a Power Five and sat at a Power Five table, what kind of difference does that make? Well, I think it makes all of the difference, especially with the sort of state of college athletics right now. Right, like the we know the importance of NIL, we know the importance of being involved in those larger discussions, and it seems like he's able to be involved in those discussions because he's well versed in them. Uh, and to, to piggyback off your point, you know, he was. From what I've heard, a candidate in 2020 when Indiana uh, was looking for a new athletic director. So right. it, it seems like he he is someone that is sort of in these circles, and I think that matters. And, and the NIL part of it is, is such a massive part, too, you know, with making sure Penn State is as well-positioned as possible to help its student-athletes out. And, you know, having experience in the last two years, as, as everyone has kind of navigated that unknown, uh, him having to navigate it already and sort of knowing some of what comes with it will be helpful down the line. Now, we know the TV contract's coming up. Now, he's not going to have anything to do with that. That's being done at the conference level. But unbeknownst to, I think, most people, they haven't really talked about the Nike contract is up at Penn State. He just negotiated the deal for Boston College. They are an Adidas New Balance school. 
Um, it, it, I don't know how far along they are in any kind of negotiations with Nike right now in terms of re-upping it, but the fact he does have experience in that area, John. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's very helpful. And he also did at Temple, too, right, when uh, yes. Temple had a deal with Under Armour, and then he was able to get a deal with Nike. Uh, and then, as you said, you know, at, uh, at Boston College, getting the, the three-year deal for football where it's sort of a football-only Adidas thing, and then New Balance for basically everything else, the 10-year deal, right. you know, New Balance, the Boston-based company, it was local, it, it made sense for them. Um, and so they were able, he was able to negotiate basically three of those deals, two of them simultaneously at Boston College, one of them at Temple. So, uh, yeah, you're right. That, that Temple or the, the Nike deal being up matters, right? As, as, as sort of part of the, uh, the, the branding part of this that can kind of go with NIL in some sense, uh, you know, as, as everyone's sort of trying to stay on the cutting edge of whether it's footwear, footwear or apparel or what have you. You know, kids want to go places where they like the gear too. And I think it could help to have, uh, you know, a, a sort of a, a new deal to know sort of where you're going to be at the next few years. How important in terms of this hire that you're getting the general impression, you're getting the general impression that they're hiring a pro's pro. Yeah, it, it seems like this is, this is someone that is going in knowing, sort of with clear eyes, right, knowing exactly what is what is ahead and knowing exactly how to handle these situations. And like I said, with you know, with the other the other things we've talked about, having that wherewithal to know to know what's happening, to know um, what it means to be an athletic director at a Big Ten school, and to to be able to handle yourself accordingly, I think really matters, um, especially when you're sort of talking with these other power brokers. Because he goes from Boston College, where yes, it's a Power Five school, but it's not necessarily one of the big seats at the table, to a place where you're in the big seat at the table or one of the big seats at the table. And so you have to be able to communicate with others in that way. And I, I have to think he's going to have, you know, almost no issues with that, almost no issues with fundraising. Every, from everything I know about him, he's very likable, very easy to get along with, very easy to sort of, uh, you know, right. uh, I don't want to say negotiate with because you always want to be a good negotiator, but very easy to communicate with, right? Like, uh, and I think that's going to be a big plus. A very outgoing personality. I mean, yeah, very absolutely. outgoing personality. I mean, I only met him a couple of times. I mean, like, just, like, met him. Like, no long, extended conversation. But you could tell, great personality. Uh, I've got to ask you about the blue-white game. What were your thoughts? Oh, man, it was – I missed the, the actual game aspect of it, right? I, I think James sure, Franklin right. did, too. It was, it was one of those situations where it was – uh, you know, they had to make those changes. The offensive line, they just didn't have as many guys ready as they wanted to. But, you know, you you really realize how much you miss the old format when you see it sort of take on uh, the, the shape that it did. Uh, right. I will say I think that defense is going to be very, very good this year. Uh, little reason to, to think it won't be once again under Manny Diaz like it was under Brent Pry. Yeah, that's that's certainly a, a part of it. And also, what did you think of the quarterbacks? I thought it was interesting. I thought, you know, the you could see the clear arm talent, especially with uh, Drew Aller, you know, that, that that was there. But he's, a you know, an 18-year-old kid playing college football, and I think this sort of allowed the, the expectations, the early expectations to be reset for someone like that. Um, you know, Clifford was someone I was honestly surprised by the number of reps that he got. And even when, when James mentioned that he had gotten over 200 reps, 201 reps in the spring, I think was the total number. Uh, right. I kind of thought he would get more of a spring off, but having another spring in your such offense can be helpful. Uh, Veyu has always impressed me. Uh, you know, I think he's got sort of the arm talent that is not on par with someone like Aller, but, but that is sort of probably the highest level outside of the elite of the elite. 
Uh, and I think he was, you know, he was impressive, you know, whether it was our windows to watch in practice or in the spring game. Uh, I know things weren't perfect because the environment was a little bit weird, but I was, I've always been impressed with Bayou. Yeah, and Bayou had a great spring, as a matter of fact. You've always followed basketball closely as well. You know, obviously, we ran into each other in Indianapolis. Penn State's added officially two transfers in right now. What can they mean to the program? I think they're pretty big. You know, I, I think Cameron Winter and Andrew Funk are really what this team needed. They needed more ball handlers last year. I remember last time I came on when we were talking during the Big Ten tournament, it was, you know, they, they ran so much of the offense through Sam Sessoms and Jalen Pickett that you needed more right. guys you could do that with. When you lose Sessoms, but you replace them with Funk and Winter, who can both run the offense, who can both attack off the dribble, who can both get shots up from beyond the arc, which, as we know, is, is always important. They can both create for others a little bit, winner more than funk, but they're guys that are co- going to come in, buy into the program, which is always a necessity, right? You need them to, to sort of be helping the young guys, too, while they're here, and, and, and I think they'll be willing to do that. Um, and I think they're going to be big pieces to this offense. I, I think one or two of them, or one or both of them, I should say, will probably start at least one, maybe both, depending on how right. big Penn State wants to go and what they can do at, at center in the transfer portal here moving forward. But uh, I, I do think those are going to be two pretty big additions and, and two additions that could, you know, again, we, I talked about last time that the results might be similar next year, but they, they might be more positive sort of based on who's doing what. Uh, I think they could actually be better next year with these two additions. This is a, a team position to finish, you know, in the, the top eight or nine of the Big Ten if everything breaks right and if they can fill that center spot, uh, as I'm sure they want to. If they can fill the center spot, John, to go with the two guards or wings, what can that mean to the to allowing the freshmen to come in and be on their own clock? I think I think that's enormous, and I think you nailed it with that. Allowing Demetrius Lilly and Keba Jai to not have to be massive contributors early at the five uh, would, would be big for them. Uh, I think one or both could contribute some next year, and, and frankly, they'll probably have to. Um, but allowing those guys to come in, and if they're not ready, to not be ready, right? You, you don't want to force them into action if they're not ready. Uh, and you want it to be okay if they're not ready to go and need to take half a season, a full season to get to that level. Um, but I think landing that five could change everything for their development um, because we already, you know, we should already see that the, the guards, Kanye Clary, Jamil Brown, Evan Mahaffey, uh, those guys should be able to come in and contribute, contribute as needed just because of the positions they play and the depth Penn State has, the guard and the wing. Setting the bigs up to do the same would be enormous. John, Great work, as always. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me on, Steve. I appreciate talking to you. John Sauber, Center Daily Times. We'll come back with more in a moment. Uh, Matt has a series of complaints. No? About the Sixers, yeah, but that's about it. And, you know, the Yankee fans, Sixers, you know, going over the border. He thinks Toronto should be playing in Buffalo to make it easier. I mean, I don't know. It's like... <laughs> Hey, what are you doing? I'm concerned about you. You know, two-year-old mowing the lawn. The judgment is just, I mean, it's just. I mean, what you're letting those kids get away with is unbelievable. No, I'm just kidding. I guess what, Mark runs the snowblower? He's learning right now, but Luke's oh, got control of right now. That's just, just so low. He's eight months old. All right, come on. He's got to walk first. Yeah, we do have to work on that. 
Ah, you'll get it. Don't worry about it. I, I always laugh when I hear, you know, like, as you know, with five kids, I always laugh when I hear, he or she isn't walking yet. I'm like, it, it's all right. You'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Just, I know you want it to happen now. I got it. But it's all right. You feel better? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll happen. Yeah. You know, and believe me, Luke will do enough things to him that he'll force him to walk. All right, we'll come back with uh, more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. James only took uh, 11 shots today. Um, but at this point in the series, would you kind of like, like to see him maybe take some more shots and like, maybe help out the offensive running that, that way? I've been saying all season since he got here, you know, he just needs to be aggressive and he, he needs to be himself. Um, you know, that's you know that's not really my job. Um, you know, that's probably on coach uh, to, you know, talk to him and tell him to, you know, take more shots. Translation, we're stuck with him. See, I, I don't know if James Harden He's, taking more shots is necessarily a good thing either because that's something that you didn't want him to do coming in. I, I get with Embiid hurt, he may have to do a little bit more, but you still have to find the balance because you still have to give Maxi the ball because he's been effective. He right. has been effective the last two games. Tobias, I mean, I, I don't know if that's the right message. He actually does need to take more shots. He needs to be – if Embiid's banged up, which he is – you need to be a little more ball centric. You need to find something else that helps out and helps out Embiid a bit. So he needs to be more aggressive out there. Whether he can do it or not, I don't know. At this stage of his career, again, he has never really come up big in the playoffs. You know, he's really come up in a lot of ways small in the playoffs. Uh, but he's your guy. He's the next guy Philadelphia will boo. Until they draft somebody on Tuesday or Thursday, <laughs> they're gonna boo both. They're gonna both those guys are gonna get booed. <clears throat> not if we love to pick. Yeah, but <clears throat> you're not going to. We'll see. It's gonna be two Jalen Riggers. No. Better not. Oh, come on. Where's that Philadelphia? We hate the world spirit. (laughs) Come on. Let's go. Everyone's waking up to it that maybe we're not so bad after this whole Ben Simmons nonsense. Yeah, it was actually Ben Simmons' fault. 